0: He certainly is holy. His presence uh, is absolutely holy, and He cannot tolerate sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin, and that's why we see in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, the Lord destroys the earth with a flood, and that's where we'll be today in Genesis 7 today. I'm picking up in verse 1 there. So if you'll be finding your way there, A man on the street stopped another man walking by and said, Do you know the two greatest problems we are facing in the world today? The second man said, I don't know and frankly, I don't care. The first man said, well, you got both of them. Ignorance and indifference to the message That the Lord is calling us to proclaim throughout the world. Every lost soul needs to hear the gospel. And every saved soul needs to proclaim it. But ignorance and indifference would cause us to back down from the message. And ignorance and indifference would cause those who hear to turn away. But here is the biblical truth that we'll see from the text this morning. We're going to go ahead and go with that, Miss Sue. Uh, I know I changed that on you. Only those in Christ will escape God's wrath. Now, that seems like a simple truth, and it is. But it's very profound because this is what it means. Everyone who is not in Christ will not escape God's wrath. Now, who, now as I say that, The Lord will call someone to mind, someone on your heart, someone that needs to hear the message, someone who needs to know that Jesus saves. I want you to stand with me as we read from Genesis 7, and I don't know when we're going to stop reading yet, so why don't you stand with me? We may read the whole chapter. If I see your knees starting to buckle, I'll let you sit down. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive. On the face of all the earth, for in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Let us pray together, Father. We thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you for the warning that is issued in Scripture of the coming wrath. Lord, we know that today, Lord, the only hope that we have is to be found in Christ. Lord, the devastating consequences of sin, because of the holiness of our God, means that those who do not know you will be separated from you for eternity. Lord, let us go to them. Lord, invoke urgency in the hearts of those who hear today. To spread the good news of Jesus. The only way, the only truth, the only life. So that those around us may hear, repent of their sin, and be saved. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to see three, three things that the generation before the flood had, that you and I have today, that this generation has today. Remember, we're comparing the days of Noah to today and and the generation that exists today. And we hear what Jesus says in Matthew's gospel. Jesus said that as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so there's three things from the passage that we can see that they had, that this generation has today. So there's no reason for anyone to be surprised because it's going to happen again. Everything that's happened before will happen again. Number one, they had a clear warning. Just as we have had a clear warning today. I know there's a lot of text there, but I've highlighted the important text for you to, to pay attention to this morning. The Bible says, The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark. When we think about that word go, that word really more often than go, very infrequently translated go. Is more often translated, come. So if God says to Noah and his family, come into the ark, where does that mean God is? God is in the ark, right? If I say, go out into the foyer, that means I'm not out there, but that's where I want you to go, right? But if I say, everyone out there in the foyer, come into the sanctuary, what does that mean? I'm in here, I want you in here with me. That's exactly what God said to the family. He said, go in. And notice that that was seven days before God sent the rain upon the earth. But much, more, much earlier than any of that, God had already warned of the devastating consequence of sin. He told Adam and Eve in the garden, the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will what? Surely Die. You will die. Sin's consequence is death. Now, you might not hear preachers in other pulpits preach this. But I'm here to preach to you the word of God. And I can do nothing else. Because the scripture tells us that the soul that sins shall surely die. And it's a warning. The Lord is justified in his judgment against mankind. He has warned us. Some people would argue that there was no such thing as a worldwide flood, that maybe if there was a flood, it would have been a localized flood. But the problem with that is that all around the world, there are layers of strata that are uniform around the entire world. And so not only was there a flood, it was a Worldwide flood. And if you don't believe that, you can just read about it. You can look it up on the internet. You can go to Answers in Genesis and look at some of the, what the creation scientists have, have discovered. There's evidence of an ice age. And actually, the ice age is, is supported by the creationist idea more so than an evolutionary idea. And there's total evidence of that. There's also a story of a flood that's found in nearly every single culture around the world. There's no doubt that a catastrophic flood is part of human history. However, the other traditions have corrupted the story of the flood, but the Bible preserves the true history. Other traditions exaggerate descriptions of the ark. They make it into a cube or a a box that wouldn't float and wouldn't survive. But the Bible tells us about a a rectangular shaped ark that would have survived. A catastrophic flood, worldwide flood. The worst storm that the world had ever seen up to that point. Now why is all of this important? Here's why it's important. If you believe that a holy God created the heavens and the earth in six days, you you can believe that God could flood the world. The Bible also says that He created it out of water, and then He used water to recreate it. Well, if God did that and wiped everything out, He had a good reason. And the reason is that the world was full of sin and corruption and violence, the Bible says. The violence upon the earth had spread all over. And in fact, later on in chapter 8, God's going to tell Noah that any man who takes the life of another man, his life will be taken from him. Because God created man in his own image. See, the very image of God that was upon every human soul taught the world that to take life meant that your life would be taken. And that truth was embedded in their hearts, and yet they still were full of violence, full of greed, full of sexual perversion, full of all of the things that our world is full of today. You know, our world today, we know that something bad is coming. The secular world out there knows. Just think about it. They believe that our existence is winding down, the clock is ticking down. There's climate change, and, and it's not just that, it's a climate change cult. There's people that worship at the altar of climate change. Why did they do that? Well, they know that the world is winding down. The advent of AI. AI. Artificial intelligence. You can look at the news reports today about all that. And many people are just dreadfully afraid of AI taking over the world. The threat of nuclear war. Uh, This past February, Russia suspended its last remaining nuclear treaty with the United States amid the war in Ukraine. Did you know that? In other words, Russia is saying there's nothing tying our hands We can now proliferate nuclear arms as much as we want to. And you can't say anything about it. And so some people are dreadfully afraid about that. Uh, I see it all the time about asteroids falling or comets falling and hitting the, the earth. Every once in a while they'll put up some kind of report about an asteroid that's coming closer than ever before. So people are afraid about that. You know, they're also, with the Pentagon's release of all of these UFO uh, files that they've put out. Some people think that the aliens are coming. I, I'm just, I, you know, I wouldn't put it past some people to just have their little alien invasion party with their full hats and everything pretty soon. The world believes that the, the, the secular world believes that our existence is coming to an end. And here's the thing about that they're right. They're absolutely right. The world is winding down. When we consider our timeline, sometimes we think it's just just infinite. We're somewhere here on the timeline and time goes that way and that way. But the Bible teaches us a different truth. That time is winding down. It's coming to an end. And there is a day, the Bible says, that the Lord has fixed That the heavens will part and the Lord will descend and it will be over. And we have received a clear warning about this. In 1969 in Past Christian, Mississippi, a group of people were preparing to have a hurricane party in the face of a violent storm named Camille. Were they ignorant of the dangers? Have they just been overconfident? Or did they let their egos get in the way and influence their decisions? The Richelieu apartments were under threat. The wind was howling outside and Police Chief Jerry Peralta pulled up sometime after dark. Facing the beach, Less than 250 feet from the surf, the apartments were in the line of danger. A man with a drink in his hand came out the second floor balcony and waved at the police chief. Peralta yelled up, You all need to clear out of here as quickly as you can. The storm is getting worse. But another joined the man on the balcony, and they just laughed. At Peralta's order. This is my land. One of them yelled back. If you want me off, you'll have to arrest me. Well, Peralta didn't arrest anyone. But he wasn't able to persuade them off the balcony either. He wrote down the names of all the next of kin. For the 20 or so people that had gathered there at the party. And then he left. It was 10.15 in the evening when the front wall of the storm came ashore. Some of the scientists say that they had clocked Camille's wind speed at more than 205 miles per hour. But, you know, it was so bad. And back then they didn't have quite the instrumentation that we have today. Nobody really knows how strong Hurricane Camille actually was quite possibly could have been the strongest storm ever to hit the U.S. mainland. Raindrops hit with the force of bullets. Waves of the Gulf crested between 22 and 28 feet high. The news reports later showed that the worst damage came against the little settlement of motels, go-go bars, and gambling joints known as Past Christiane. Some 20 people were killed from the party at the Richelieu apartments. Nothing was left of the three-story building. It was gone. They were warned. A clear warning. It's coming. And this story, It. it It surprises us to think that someone would do that, but you would think that they would learn from the lesson, right? I remember during Hurricane Katrina, similar, similar events. People having hurricane parties when Katrina came and swept them away. We actually went uh, to Pascagoula, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina with a work group that went down to help rebuild, mud out and rebuild. And we went to a home that, uh, where the lady had been living there. And during Katrina, she didn't evacuate. She, was, she stayed in the home. And, a, and the floodwaters rose up and they came up. And she saw them coming, climbed up on the table, but it was too late. And they came up, busted out the windows and sucked her out onto the street. And she was going down the street with a storm surge. And finally, the only thing that caught her and saved her that she could grab hold of was the sign at the Baptist church down the street. And that lady, as we came down and we, we mudded out the house, her house, she gave her heart to Jesus. I'm thankful for that. But Peter, in Second Peter chapter 3, he says, he, he talks about how The world then is a lot like the world today. And this was in Peter's day in the first century and even more so today as we live here and we we live in this world around us that seems it's going from bad to worse. And he says in the last days, there'll be scoffers and they'll say, well, where is the the promise of his coming? He's been warning of of all of this, but it's not happening yet. And then he goes on to say they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water, through water, by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that existed was deluded with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. When you think about that, what he's saying is, It was flooded once, and it will be flooded again. But this time, it will be in a lake of fire. It will be over. And so there's a clear warning. There was a clear warning then, and there's a clear warning today. But I want to tell you, secondly, not only was there a clear warning, there was a concerned witness. There was some person that God had sent to the world. To proclaim the coming wrath and the salvation of our God. Second Peter, in the same text that we just saw, Peter says that Noah was a herald of righteousness. He was a preacher of the truth. A preacher of the truth that judgment is coming. And that those who do not believe, those who do not enter in, they will suffer the wrath of God. Noah spent 120 years of his life preparing, building, and gathering animals to be on the ark. And even though God knew that no one would respond to Noah's message, he still instructed Noah to put rooms in the ark, more than half of the, of the occupancy of the ark available. For people to enter in. Those who never would. But I want you to think about this. Look at verse 6 with me again. It says, Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. He was 600 years old. So we think, man, that's really old. That's older than court. It's super old. And... To put it into perspective though, the the United States is only 245 years old. Okay? Noah was more than twice as old as the United States when the flood came. In fact, 600 years ago, the new world had not even been discovered or populated. There was... No electricity, no phones, no internet or computers, no automobiles, no airplanes. The Byzantine Empire ruled much of the known world 600 years ago. Now, you you think about this for just a minute. Putting it in perspective, Noah had been around for a very long time. And when the Lord spoke to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to flood this place and everything's going to die. Noah quite possibly had said, well, Lord, they deserve it. I've done my time. Built him a little raft and maybe just decided, you know what? It's time for me to go. But instead, Noah took Noah was obedient to the calling of God. And for 120 years, he built the ark. Probably in the face of the worst opposition you could imagine. Probably in the face of scoffers and scornful that, that laughed at him, ridiculed him, probably threw stones at him and said, you're an idiot, you crazy kook. Now, what's really, really interesting about all of this is the Bible says clearly that Noah had never seen any of the things that he was preaching. Hebrews eleven seven 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, remember the clear warning, concerning events as yet seen, he was concerned. But yet he had never seen them, okay? In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Notice the Bible says it wasn't for Noah. Noah knew that he would be with the Lord. But why was he doing this? The Bible says it was for the saving of his household. He was concerned about his children and his grandchildren. He was concerned about the people closest to him being saved. By this he condemned the world and became an, an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah, in meekness building the ark for 120 years, eventually saved his household and inherited the earth from the unrighteous. But notice that part one more, one more time. Events as yet unseen. A flood that was coming that he proclaimed. And, and most scholars say that it had never even been rain upon the earth. Genesis 2, 5-6 through 6 says... When no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. So there was a mist that came up. Noah had never seen a flood. Noah had never even seen rain. And yet here he was in an arid place building a ship, an ocean liner. So the Bible says, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives went with him into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, by the way, it doesn't say male and male, it says "male and female. The, bi- benign, the binary relationship, Noah and his wife and his son and their, his sons and their wives, and then pairs of animals. Right, OK, I, I don't have to get into all of that, but just so you know, God made them male and female. And he intended it to be that way. went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. Now, we should think about that for just a minute. So they went into the ark. God warned them. They went into the ark. And then for seven days, they were there. Now, imagine the conversation. All right. Well, we're in here. When's it going to rain, Noah? Noah says, well, I don't know when it's going to rain yet. He said seven days, so we're just going to wait and see. So the first day goes by. Second day goes by. Everybody's watching. There's no drops of rain. The The flood's coming, though, Noah says. Now, isn't that a little bit like how we preach Jesus? We've never seen Jesus. Have you ever seen him? I've seen pictures of what they think he looks like. Have you ever seen him? No. If you have, I want to know. I want you to come tell me. Okay, we'll talk about getting you some counseling. No, I'm just kidding. I want you to, I want you to think about that though. You've never seen him. You've never seen heaven, have you? The Bible says, eye has never seen, nor ear has never heard, nor entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for them that love Him. You've never seen heaven, have you? Now you may think you've been to hell a time or two, like at the DMV or somewhere, but you you have never seen hell. Whenever you speak to people about things, spiritual things, things of eternity... You're preaching things that you've never known. You've never seen. The Lord has pressed them on your heart. Now you've heard about Jesus. And you know that He's real in your heart. Can you preach with the same conviction of Noah? And understand the urgency. urgency. Of the message. You've all heard about Paul Revere, right? The shot heard around the world. But some of you may have never heard about uh, the alarm that was raised in New Haven, Connecticut before the battle. After the Battle of Lexington and Concord on April 19th, 1775, a man named Bissell Was ordered to raise the alarm in New Haven. He reached Worcester, Massachusetts, normally a day's ride. He did it in two hours. There, according to tradition, his horse promptly dropped dead. And pausing only to get another mount, Bissell pressed on and by April 22nd was in New Haven. But he didn't stop there. He rode on to New York, arriving April 24th, and then stayed in the saddle until he reached Philadelphia the next day. Bissell's 126-hour, 345-mile ride signaled America's militia throughout the Northeast to mobilize for war. Without that urgency, We might not have America today. Without. The urgency that God. Expects of your witness. Some people might not make it. onto the ark. Is there urgency in your witness? Do you have a concerned witness? Lastly. Not only did they have a clear warning and a. Concerned witness, they had a certain way. A certain way. A one and only way. There was only one door to the ark. There's only one way. Look at what it says here. Let's pick it up in verse 15. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was a breath of life verse 16, and those that enter male and female of all flesh, by the way it says male and female several times just making sure we're clear with that, went in as God had commanded him and the Lord shut the door. It was one way in. That was it. And once that door was closed, the final opportunity was closed. The Bible says the The flood continued and the waves and the water bore up the ark and it rose above the earth. You know, the Bible says that there's going to be a day that the Lord's going to return and He's going to lift us up from the earth. We're going to be snatched up, caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the flood of fire comes upon the earth. And just like in that day where there was only one certain way, The people could escape. Today, there is only one way. John 10 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then you look at the end of it all. Verse uh, 23, He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things. And birds of the heavens, they were blotted out from the earth. Remember, we said last time, it's like he took a towel and he just wiped it away. Wiped it off. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. There's only one way today. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except how? Through me, he said. You gotta go through the door. I know it's popular today to say that, you know, if you just if you believe in goodness, goodness will come to you. And and if, if you treat people well, then you'll be treated well. And if you, if you live a life of morality, then ultimate you'll find your ultimate existence. And and Oprah says there's multiple many ways to get to what you call God. That's what she, she did. Her hands like that. That's why I did that. By the way, you know you know what that's called? That's called uh, that's called pluralism. There's many ways. That's not true. Psalm 32, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, let everyone who is godly. In other words, the one who goes the way of the Lord, the one that goes the way of God, that person that follows God through that one way. Let him offer prayer to you in a time while you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. What was going on inside of that ark? They were praising God that they were delivered from the flood. And then you look and you see at the end, all of it's all over. And we're going to see this next time. But they go out of the ark and they immediately build an altar and they worship the God who saved them. And one way in. The door. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 two, for he says, in a favorable time, favorable time I listen to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. See, here's the thing. Right now today the door is standing open just as it was then. The door is open. And anyone who would come in, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life. You may come in. You may enter in today. But there is only one way. It's not your way. It's not my way. It's His way. It's the way that He provided. Jesus said that the curtain was torn open through the veil, which is His flesh. When He died upon the cross, He opened up the doorway into heaven for you and me to enter in. Now, for those of you who know him, thank God that you're in the ark. Thank God that you're in Christ. You're saved. Your salvation is sure. Nothing can change it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So you are in him. You are in God's love. And you have eternal life. Praise God for that. There's some shouting and hallelujahs ought to be going on inside the ark. That's where we are, folks, if we're in Christ but we also have a job to do. We're called to go out to the world around and tell them the flood's coming. Get in the ark. And for those of you today that you don't know Jesus, and if he were to return today, if today were the last day that you spent on planet Earth, you would be separated from him for eternity. It does not have to be that way. The door is standing open. As long as you have breath in your lungs and you have the ability to confess, and you have the opportunity, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow he may return, and we all who know him will be caught up, and everyone else swept away. I don't know. It could be the day. But today, you have the opportunity. If you want to receive Him today, you want to enter into that relationship with Christ, I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today, the one who died for you on a cross for your sins, just pray this prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. Pray it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner and I deserve the wrath that is coming upon the world. But Jesus, I believe that you died for me. That your blood was shed and your body was broken for me. So that I may enter in to heaven. So Jesus, I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me. Make me a new person. Give me a home in heaven with you. I'll spend the rest of my life living for you and serving you. Thank you for my salvation. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, something amazing has happened in your heart. The Bible says that Jesus has heard that prayer and he honors that prayer. And He will give to you eternal life. Because you have called upon His name. You've put your faith in Him. You're a new person on the inside. And you have a new purpose to live out on the outside. And so, we want to invite you. This is our invitation. I want you to stand with me now. We're going to sing this invitation. This is your opportunity to let it be known what Jesus has done for you. And if you're looking for a church home, we welcome you here. Myrtle Grove Baptist Church loves you and wants you to be a part of everything God is doing here. And if you need prayer, our altar counselors will be here at the front. I'll be here. We'll pray with you. And you can just pray right there where you are. But let us sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus.